yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well. Where does this 2-0 loss at home to West Ham leave Arsenal? I'm Jack Wood and as ever alongside Tom Clark. Hello, mate. Hello, welcome to Fog- a festive fogging great. Um, and what good tidings we bring. Arsenal's 2-0 defeat at home to West Ham. It was a really... I'm, I'm glad we're recording this when we are because it was a real bitter pill to swallow. Mm. Maybe I was just feeling full from the amount of food I've eaten and now I'm actually feeling at one with the world again. But I was... I, I was not feeling good about that game for a very, very long time. And I just don't... I'm not entirely sure where it all went wrong because... That first 10 minutes, I was like, bloody hell, we're, we're going to win this 3-4-0. And mm-hmm. all, the, all the stats lead us to believe that we should have won that 3 or 4-0. Yeah. And I guess we can talk about VAR and all that kind of thing. But because we're recording this a couple of days afterwards, I, I feel like we've calmed down a little bit. So maybe there's not an eight-minute rant from you incoming in this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, if you were tuning in for that. No, I'll try not to. I mean, if it finished 4-0, then I might have... I might have- I might have, you know, leaned into it, but uh, it's hard to it's hard to feel massively aggrieved when you lose two nil, and it could have been three nil with a last minute penalty, done it. So, yeah, I'll leave the VAR out. I mean, I, I think we all know that the, the ball crossing the line is a sore point for Arsenal fans this season, uh, but there's no point going into it too deep. I mean, it does play relevance into the game because it changes the game, but I'm just I'm just leaving that there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing it again. My heart rate needs to stay low, so let's leave it there. I think. Absolutely. It was. Um. It was just a really frustrating night. It was. We seemed to lack any kind of bite, any kind of edge. As much as we had, however many shots we had, and we accumulated what like two point eight of uh, xg. It just. It never really looked like we were going to score. No, and and I think. Uh... I think I'm thinking back and it is a couple of days ago now. So I'm trying to remember it and um, I'll be honest. I kind of, you know, I have this, I have this natural thing where I'm, I managed to somehow block out most of the <laughs> memory of games that we don't win. Um, but uh, to my, my thought process is there was a lot, a lot of that, a lot of those shots came in sort of the last 15, 20 minutes when we were kind of, shitting our pants and we're thinking oh god we need to do something but a meaningful chances i think saka hitting the post in the first half uh, is the obvious one for me um and jesus missing a, a, a you know a, a really mm. good chance a good header in the last 10 15 as the two that really stick out to me as thinking they were the clear cut chances but aside from that there was a lot of odegaard shots from 23 yards there were a lot of of you know, Trossard hitting the first defender uh, shots. It was, you know, yeah, we're, great XG, 2.8, as you say. But I don't know. I think that I think the 2.8 XG probably comes from the sheer quantity of the chances rather than the quality of the mm-hmm. chances. Because I don't think, other than the two that come to my mind straight away, that, you know, I can't think of massive quality chances that we had, sadly. Um so yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to know whether the game changes based on their first goal. I mean, it, you can only assume that it does. Um, but what upset me a little bit is that we went one nil down to West Ham last season at home as well, at a similar time of year. I think we played them on Boxing Day last year. And I, what I will say is that last year when we went one nil down to them, 
I was pretty confident that we'd come back and win the game because we were on that incredible run and we'd just come back from the World Cup and you know, we, we really did have that resilience in our side last season where it felt like even when we went goals down or even if we had setbacks in games, we were we were so good that we were going to come back and win them nonetheless. And even after even at one nil, I didn't have that confidence uh on, on Thursday night, whenever the hell the game was, Thursday night. Um and especially when it went to two nil, uh, you know, it felt like that was it felt like we didn't have the fight in us at that stage. Um See, I and still, could, I still we, have. We, the... I feel like we could have played for 125 minutes on Thursday and not scored a goal. To be honest, yeah, I think if I had this thought when I was watching it, I was like, if we can get one, I feel like that's that's when that belief comes back. It just looked like we didn't believe we could actually break them down. And like, don't get me wrong, don't let's let's not forget West Ham played really bloody well. They shut us yeah. out. They came. They did a job, and defensively, they were they were stunning. Who's this defender, Mavropanos? By the way, who's he? Can we put a bid? What in is that him? all where's, about? Where's he? Where's he come from? What's that all about? That's ridiculous. Oh he was God. shit. Oh, oh my life. Um, it was just, you, you, yeah. You just got like I was thinking. If we get one, I think that's where we really start to amp it up, and West Ham will start to look a little bit shaky. But that was a big if in my mind. It was just like, but I just can't see us getting that one. It was, I was like, I was like having a conversation with myself. I was like, oh, if we can just get one. Same. But it really doesn't look like we're going to get one. And it was just, I was mm. struggling to see where we were going to get the goal from with what we were doing. We kept probing mm. side to side and we kept trying to do the tick attacker stuff at the edge of the box. And it was just like, we need something. I think I texted you at one point saying, we are so one dimensional. Yeah, and you did. Yeah, from, from a team that yeah. was so fluid last season. Well, maybe maybe that was it. Maybe that that was just our one way of doing it. We were just fluid, flying forward. That we we've now been found out that that's the only way we can attack, and we can't do that when we're playing against low blocks every week. So in my head, it was mm. just like, where where do the goals come from? Like we kept we kept working it out wide and then chipping it into the box, and it's just like, well, they've got Alvarez, they got Mavropanos, they got I think it was Ogbonna as well. So many people that are so brilliant and dominant in the air, and we've got maybe Jesus or Trossard, and it's just like we we need we don't have a direct option. And I think no, playing playing, I, th- I think that was really apparent when we were playing Trossard as that left eight that he's not he's not a direct player. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he d- he doesn't play direct. It's not like Odegaard is not a direct player. Mm-hmm. So. Coming on to that, it actually shocked me that it took so long to bring on Smith Rowe. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt like there was a bit of a shift. Even it, there was just a there was just a, a lift when he came on. Mm. Um, and because we love him, the crowd love him, fans love him. You know, they're gonna they're gonna cheer for him. It doesn't matter what he does; they'll cheer for him. They'll cheer for him coming on. Um, so bringing him on gave us a bit of a. A bit of a, 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 a that gave the crowd a lift, gave the ground a lift, and I think that transferred to the players. and And I think him, you know, he had made a great run into the box and almost got on the end of a, a lovely pass from Odegaard that mm. could have been a goal. And um, I think uh, I think there's obviously a trust issue with him. But I don't know why. I think they're just they're just quite clearly is, which seems bizarre to me because there was a lot of games that I went to. You know, uh, in, in the last season before we were, you know, title contenders, so the season before last, where he was one of our 
one of the best players on the pitch. Well, that was the thing. Arteta, and that was under I'd... that was under Arteta. Like that wasn't an Emery player. That was Arteta player. And he he put in such great performances for us. It's really bizarre now why, where that lack of trust has gone. Mm. Um, which and it's such a shame because I look at you know I looked at the you know I, I tweeted actually before we even kicked off. Uh, Havertz being out was a big loss, but I don't see Trossard in that role. And to me, they're not they're not the same player Havertz and Smithrow. They're very different players actually. But I feel like he would have slotted a lot more comfortably into that role than Trossard does. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a shame. It's a shame because I, I, we all love him. We all love Emma Smithrow. Um, and it, it's, it felt like there was a little bit of a lift when he came on and it's just a shame it didn't happen 30 minutes earlier than it did really. I'm I'm hoping it's kind of like integration back from, he's obviously had a lot of injury issues. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it's just slowly bringing him back into the side because yeah. I he is so much more suited to that left eight role than Trossard is, I think. Mm-hmm, 100%, and I yeah. think with talking about Trossard and that left eight position, our left side is already really not working the way it was last season. So putting shoe almost shoehorning Trossard in there, I think really, really showed that. It it really exaggerated that even more. Mm-hmm. Um so I <laughs> I mean, there was something that I, I specifically, and you, you mentioned the, the left the left side of the pitch. You know, I think, I think in it, overall we've been it's, throughout the entire season. It's felt like there've been parts of our our pit our side that have been dysfunctional all stages. It doesn't feel like we've ever really hit top gear uh, at any stage, to be honest. Um, which, on one hand, you might take as a massive positive because if somehow we manage to hit top gear, then who says we can't go win the next 15, 16 in a row? That's that's the positive way of looking at it. The negative way of looking at it is 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 that we haven't really hit top gear at any stage of the season. It does seem like there's always some level of dysfunction somewhere in the side. But the left-hand side for me is the is the big issue because what you've got is Zinchenko, who definitely adds a lot for us when it comes to controlling the play, um, keeping hold of the ball, keeping that that level of consistent constant pressure on the other side in terms of you know he's he's he kind of plays in that role where they manage to clear it he picks it up and immediately plays a ball to put them back under pressure Mm -hmm. but he does he does lack a little bit when it comes to the defensive side of things we saw that we saw that a lot against liverpool you know yeah he's such a big part of everything good that we do Mm -hmm. in the attacking half but then when it comes to actual old-fashioned defending he's I've used the word before, but he is just a liability. I think. I think it's got to that point now where he, he is a liability in our yeah. defensive half, and I do think it would be quite if if Yuri and Timber hadn't have got injured, just how much we'd have seen of Zinchenko this season. Yeah, I'm not too sure. No, I, I I agree, and I think I think in a perfect world, you know, Timber was fit; he would have played. If Tommy Assey was fit, I think he would have played against Liverpool as well. But but the Liverpool game was the really obvious one for me, where it's like, okay, you've got Mo Salah, and it's really really hard pressed for any left back in world football to be able to effectively manage Mo Salah. And I don't even blame Liverpool's goal on him 
on Zinchenko, but there was just a lot of times in that game where he gave the ball away in stupid mm. positions and was was dilly dallying in our own area, and 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 that's not what you want in a game like that at Anfield. That's not the, that's the last thing you want. So he's he's operating on a on a on a level that I think is probably a little bit below what we expect. But I think I think I I, I pinpointed specifically during the Liverpool game actually that there were, we forget how much of a role Shaka played last season in covering for Zinchenko in those areas. I, I almost completely, I don't know why I blocked it out of my mind, but I completely blocked it out of my mind that every time Zinchenko would step forward into that midfield, Shaka would drop back into that left back role. And Havertz is not going to do that. He's not, he's not going to, he's not going to drop back in the way that Shaka does. Um, and I think, I think Martinelli as well is, is not, it's just there's something not working there for him. Um, so if you look at that and you think, okay, we've got Zinchenko, we've got a left back who can't defend, and currently a left winger who can't seem to attack, it's a recipe for disaster. Because when you've got that situation, you know that they're going to plonk a player on Zinchenko and go cause him issues, which they will. You know, a good any good winger is going to cause him issues. Could just cause cause him a lot of issues on on Thursday night. Um, uh, Bowen caused him a lot of issues. Paqueta caused him a lot of issues because they were just crisscrossing and they were constantly looking at Zinchenko as the one to aim for. And um, and 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 Havertz isn't going to help him out in the way that Shaka did at Trossard on Thursday. And Martinelli, although he is such a threat in terms of running in behind onto balls, he seems to be currently hell bent on trying to beat players four times before he before he crosses the ball or passes the ball. And when you know you've got a player out there and when opposition teams know that, that Martinelli is currently as ineffective as he is, then they can kind of leave him to his own devices and focus all their all all, all their attention onto Saka, which is therefore nullifying Saka. You know, he last year why it worked so well is because you couldn't focus all your attention on one of the wingers because we had two ones who were we had two wingers who were firing on all cylinders yeah. for pretty much the whole season. And now that Martinelli isn't firing, Saka is suffering because he's getting all the attention. They're double, even tripling up. The trip, there are teams tripling up on Bukayo Saka because they know that you give him a bit of space, a bit of room, and you're finished. So it's affecting his game. And because, they, because therefore Martinelli's ineffective and Saka can't get a look in, Jesus is just kind of sitting there in the middle and he, he, he's not a goal scorer. We know he's not a goal scorer. We accept he's not a goal scorer. We knew that when we signed him. But if you're not going to have a, if you if your number nine isn't a goal scorer, your left wing is ineffective, and your right wing has got five players on him at all times. Where are the goals coming from? And that's kind of where the the, the problems down the left side at the moment are absolutely causing us issues all over the pitch mm. because it's making it really really difficult for us to score many goals. Uh, simply from that one part of the part of the pitch, it, need, it shows that you really need everyone to be working in tandem and everyone to be working at, at the best of their ability for our system to be able to work. And when it does work, my God! But when it doesn't, we're struggling. Um, and I think that's where we're at at the moment. But then the, the issue with that also is is it, it's funny because I think. There were times last season before before January where Martinelli was having a bit of a rough patch. And it was around the same time, actually. It was after he came back from the World Cup and he just wasn't really. And the Newcastle game sticks out to me, which was one, uh, I think, at the start of January at home where we just couldn't break them down. It was nil-nil, finished nil-nil. And I remember thinking, God, we just we could do with a, a different option on the left wing. 
And then we brought in Trossard and I thought, oh, here's our option. Mm. But even he's not performing that brilliantly this year either. I, I mean, I, it, it's, it all feels very negative. Yes. But, but to me, y- y- we have to look at it. Last season, if we'd been doing this podcast and we were where we are now and we were two points behind the leaders at the halfway point, I'd have been absolutely ecstatic. I'd have been ecstatic because the the, the standards have changed and and where we're at as a club has changed. And no, it doesn't matter that we're two points behind. It, we could be two points behind or two points in front. When we get to March and April, that's when it will matter and we'll see where we are then. But the standards have changed, and and you watch you watch Man City play against Everton the other night. They just had a long trip for the Club World Cup. They come back two days later. They're playing away at Everton, one of the hardest games in the league at the moment because Everton are on, are on a good run of form, and they just steamrolled them. They just completely steamrolled them. They looked like the better side. Foden was brilliant. Rodri was brilliant, and they were playing in the same way that we play, which is controlling the game. But they were playing that way with a, a purpose and an intensity that we don't have. They were putting, they were moving, you know, they were having control of the game, but they were moving the ball forward while they had the control of the game. And a lot of the time, I don't feel like we do that. We just kind of pass it around the box of the opposition team and hope that eventually a a gap will appear. And sometimes it does, and great, but it feels like there needs to be something more. Yeah, that's literally just what I was about to say. It, you know, for as good as we are at controlling games and keeping the ball now, we're, we, we don't seem to be doing it with any kind of intensity. It's like we get to the final third and we're like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? Mm. Like we, mm-hmm. And then we'll recycle it and then we'll go and we'll try the other side, then we'll recycle it, we'll go and we'll try the other side. It, it had vibes of a, a Wenger team however many years ago where we would keep the ball and get it to that final third and then just mm. not actually be able to get it into the box. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know why... I don't know what that is. It's almost like we're still playing with this fluidity of we've got it in the box by the time the team's already recovering and we've already made a chance. It's like that extra 20 seconds or however long it is because we're playing against low blocks now. It's like we we can't find a way of getting through teams when they're already in their set shape. Because what was so yeah. good of us last season, we were so fast in the transitions. We were so fluid going forward so quickly that we were we were attacking defense that weren't set up and now we're having to do that every single game. Mm. We're not in the position to get the ball into the box and create loads of good chances. And I just, yeah. I, I think, I think we've talked about this enough now where we do need to have the conversation about a striker. We kind of alluded to it in a, a previous podcast mm. and it's all I've been seeing on Twitter the last few days, strikers and other conversation with friends and, different things it's just like i do feel like we need a direct option because we're getting we're getting into good positions and then we'll like i said before we'll cross it in the box and then we've got no we really missed Havertz last night uh we Mm. really missed we really missed Havertz against west ham and even he's he's not an outlet i wouldn't call him an outlet no he's not a target man but it doesn't play like that I I i feel like we need i feel like we need a presence up front because with Jesus, you know he's great with his feet. You know he's great at using his body. But you know what to expect. You know he's gonna. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not gonna be in the box. He's not gonna be within the width of the goalposts. So for central defenders, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need someone constantly occupying that space, and just asking questions. 
like it was evident against the Liverpool game, the amount of times where we had the ball in good positions and it was it was put across the box, it was chipped towards the back post. And there was no one there asking the question. There was no one there gambling that that ball might fall there. Mm-hmm. And it all feels very safe. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of risk in the attacking flow yeah. of our yeah. of our side. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is so... I feel like there were so many times I was watching the game where it was like, passes out to Martinelli. Martinelli takes a touch. Martinelli turns. Martinelli turns the other way. And he just passes it back to Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. It's just like all yeah. that, all that kind of excitement, all that kind of ability to take players on. I can't think of a time where somebody took a player on. No, no you're right. It does, it, we don't do it anymore. I mean, Saka's got three defenders on him, so I kind of get that. But then Martinelli, if he's one-on-one with Soufal, do him. That sounded so fucking. Just kick the ball in the net. <laughs> no, but, no, but 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 you're but you're right. But, what, but, like, my my, my point my point is there was Martinelli was never asking that question of Soufal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. never and, just and, gave, and, he and never he just gave it a go. Year. It was just all very very safe. Yeah. He, and he was last year. He was asking that. And he was asking that question earlier in the season. Yeah, he came on at half time against Man City, and he was really bloody good, really, really good at Man City at home. Martinelli he was brilliant. Our best player scored the goal, obviously, but he was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Had a brilliant game, and, and earlier in the season, he was playing a bit better than that as well. But he seems like he's had, and I don't know whether it's been. I, I don't know whether it's low confidence. I don't know whether it's um, been coached out of him. But it just seems like a, at the moment he's a low risk footballer. And, and there's no point in having a, high, a a player with such flair and such an ability to take players on and such a fucking wild card where you don't know where he's going to go next because he can, he can go either way. There's no point in having a player like that if he's going to be a safe footballer. This is just a waste. You might as well put fucking William Gallas out on left wing. There's no point. He doesn't use his pace. We may as well start he Trussard. His... If, if, he, if he's going to be keeping turning and just keeping possession, we may as well start Trussard. You, yeah, exactly, it, it, exactly that. And 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 the, the point the point is the, the Trossard when he came in was an alternative to Martinelli because they're very different wingers, very very different wingers, right? And now they're basically the same player. And basically, you might as well have them both on. There's no alternative anymore. You bring Martinelli off and you bring Trossard on. Much of a set, much of a muchness. There's no difference because Martinelli doesn't run at players anymore. And I, again, I don't know why that is. But there's uh, and 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 there are teams and, and no disrespect to those teams and West Ham are one of those teams. There are teams where he should be able to pick the ball up and he should be able to go past the player, go past the right back, make their life a fucking misery. And I thought what really told a lot last was last week's game against Liverpool. Yes, there was an awful lot of a, a narrative of oh Salah's going to make life very difficult for Zinchenko and 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 and, and Saka's going to make life very difficult for Simakas and oh God you know how is how uh, is Ben White going to cope with the interchange in play between Gakpo and no one ever mentioned Martinelli there was never a mention of how is how is uh, you know Liverpool's defence how is Alexander Arnold going to cope with um, with Martinelli it was never never a conversation never mentioned it and I think. You know, I, I I don't want to place too much stock in media narrative, but I think a media narrative often does tell you quite a lot. And the narrative at the moment doesn't include Martinelli. There's not a narrative there. And I think that's a real shame because he's so talented. And I just don't know what it is, but there, there, there's something lacking there. And even when he does want to take go past the player, he seems to want to go past them three times before eventually then turning back and playing it back. Yeah. There's no risk. Um, and like I, his, I just think, his speed uh, and I, his directness is, are some of his best traits. 
Well, they and, are. And, they and, are. and, and, and he's not doing it, any it, of that. And like when we brought Smith Rowe on, Erdegaard puts that fucking incredible cross in and Smith Rowe nearly gets on the end of it. Why can't Martinelli be doing more of that? The guy needs to gamble more. In, yes, w- yes. W- when when yes. we don't have... Sorry, this is kind of going back onto what I said earlier a little bit. When we don't have a striker that's going to play within the width of the six-yard box and be there just in case a ball comes, Martinelli's got to be that direct outlet because he is one of the those direct Absolutely. players that we have in the squad. Absolutely, yeah. And, 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 and it's a throwback. It's a throwback. There's not many players who play like that anymore who will run at you. You know, it's, it's quite a, a rare thing. Um, you know, Doku is one of those players, I think, for Man City, who will just run at you. And, and actually, sometimes I feel like he doesn't even know what he's going to do. And that makes it really difficult for you as a defender because if he doesn't have a clue where he's going, exactly, you've got a you've got a cat and L's chance. Because that's, that's I think Martinelli's that's... got that opportunity to be a similar influence on the team as Doku is for Man City when he plays. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you're if you're taking them on, and you're asking questions of the fullback, then if you nearly got past them once, the next time it comes to one on one, they're going to be a yard further away from you. They're going to give you that bit more space. And if you've got that exactly, bit more space, yeah. you can put a ball in the box. You can play a pass into whoever's making one of those third man runs into the box. Yeah. But we're just not asking any questions. And I think we forget sometimes that other teams, other teams do their research and they will, you know, David Moyes and, and, the, and the West Ham coaching team and the West Ham defenders will, will know, they will know what Martinelli's currently doing and they will know that all they really need to do is stand off him. He's not going to do anything. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll stand off him, show him down the line and he'll run into you because he's currently not doing anything else really. Um, or he'll turn back and play it back thirty yards. So they know that if we can, if we, if we as fans, as laymen, as people who who are not football experts, coaches, or analysts, know that, then they will definitely know that. Um, and 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 all you have to do really is take him on once, and then you're right. They will they will they will go oh, okay, shit. You know, um, and even if it doesn't succeed, even if you run the ball out of play or even if you turn into trouble or whatever, keep doing that and keep doing different things each time. And all of a sudden, they're not going to know what you're going to do. Um, and to me, there's, there's something massively missing there at the moment. Uh, so, and, and as I said, and as I said, we talked, you know, the, the, the big narrative this week has been about got a goal scorer and do we need a goal scorer? And I think the answer really is multifaceted. Because to me, if you're going to win the title, if you're going to be in a title race with Liverpool and Man City, you're going to be really, really hard-pressed to win it without a striker. Because if Salah has a bad season, the likelihood is Haaland isn't. So one of them are going to have someone scoring 30 goals. Mm. It's just the truth. Um... And we don't have that. So to me, yes, it's really difficult to win a league title without a 20-goal-a-season striker, and we don't have one of those. As much as I love Gabby Jesus, he's not that player. The other side of it is, okay, well, we're in a situation where we haven't got that player, and Enketia, God love him, he's a Crystal Palace player all around. Uh, unfortunately, that's his, that's, his, that's his ceiling for me. I... I you know, and he doesn't offer much as an alternative. I had a kind of very, very brief conversation with someone on Twitter yesterday. Nicholas Bentner offered more as an alternative than Eddie Nketiah does. And I, I will stand by that. Um, so 
you know, you're in a situation where we haven't got an out and out striker. We all know that. Um, and it's going to be very difficult financially for us without my charity car wash to be able to pull one off in January. So the only thing you can do is evolve, play a different way, work out of a different, work out a different way of playing to be able to enable more players to be able to chip in with goals. Cause last season, it wasn't a problem for us. We could have done it last year. You know, we, 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 one, one problem we had last year was not scoring goals. That was not our problem. And we had the same, if if anything, we had a lesser squad last season in terms of attacking options. Um, in fact, we definitely did, you know, because Havertz has come in and, okay, you can argue about his his ability in that position relative to Shaka, but what you can't argue is that Havertz provides a better attacking option going forward. And we've got Trossard this season and, you know, we've got different options going forward. We're definitely better attacking-wise and we didn't seem to suffer last year. The problem last year was defensive defensively. Um and so you have to then look at a different way of playing the game to be able to enable our players to score more goals from different positions. Um, and that means you have to, you have to change something. You know, we can't, we can't go and spend 80 million in, in January. We know we can't. So let's all stop pretending that somewhere someone's going to find 80 million quid down the back of the sofa that a sponsor has paid us because it's not going to happen. So either we make do... And we'll have some FFP charges to deal with in a few years. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's the reality. And I think it's it's silly that we're all sitting here going, oh, you know, Tony, I'm not sure about Tony. I'm, uh, you know, let's 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 see if we can get Osman. Let's see if we can get Osman. I'm like, for fuck's sake, be real. It's not yeah. going to happen. It's not happening in January. Just uh, let's forget that. So what we need to do is work on a way to be able to get Saka scoring 15 goals this season, get Martinelli scoring 15 goals a season, get Odegaard scoring 15 goals a season and get Havertz scoring 15 goals a season. Because then if they all do that and fucking Jesus chips in with nine or 10, we'll be fine. But until that, we can't, we cannot keep going into games, especially at home where teams are going to come and they're going to make life very, very difficult by basically doing nothing. You cannot keep going into those games expecting to be able to pluck goals out of thin air with half chances uh, from players who are off form. You know, Liverpool really weren't doing anything against us in that game last weekend on on the 23rd. They weren't doing anything against us. And do you know what they did then? They put a long ball to Salah, who's one of the best footballers in the world, and he swats it in the top corner. And that's that. And when City are struggling find Haaland, they'll probably pull something out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do not have. As much as I love Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard, Saka especially, and he can pull out a rabbit out of his hat. He can't do it on his own. Mm-hmm. He's done it enough for us this season. You know, the Brentford goal that Havertz scored was a cross by Saka. He's done enough. He's done that enough. And you cannot rely on the same bloke every week. And at the moment, yeah, we're, we're, we're missing the cutting edge. Um, so if we can't go and spend 80 million quid in this in January, which we can't, then we've got to look at a different way of playing. We have to, right? I mean, that's the only way that we can, that we can realistically score more goals. And that is the problem is, is scoring the goals. And I think that we're, we're now starting to see the, the issue of having two number eights in that midfield three. Granite Xhaka, when he was playing in that role, Yes, he wasn't 
an attacking midfielder. But God, would he make those runs into the box and ask mm. questions and find those pockets of space? Mm. Havertz does that sometimes, yes, which I think which is what led to him being in such good form and becoming a, a really, really important playing f- player for us. Yeah. But if we've got Trossard in there, then we've all of a sudden got two players, our two attacking midfielders, who like like playing little passes and won't yeah. make those runs into the box. They, they want to be the one that play that intri- intricate pass into the box. But then we've got two players doing that. It means we've got two players on the pitch that won't make those those late runs into the box. Mm-hmm. And that that's what leads to all this possession without really any bite. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's a, it's an interesting figuring out a different way of playing is is what we need to do. But then mm-hmm. how do we do that with the personnel that we've got? Yes, they're all interchangeable in terms of position, but I feel like they've all got a, a pretty set style of play. Well, we're clearly very well drilled as a team yeah. into playing the way that Arteta wants us to play. And that's that's great because it means that that familiarity, you know, the, the, the theory behind it is if you keep putting teams under pressure and you keep passing the ball around, eventually someone's concentration will slip and, a, and an opening will be there. And that did happen a few times the other night. The concentration slipped from West Ham and the opening was there. But the problem is we still haven't got anyone to put it in the back of the net. So and also, sorry, mind, go, go, on on that going back to like Martinelli being low on confidence, it's like a lot of a lot of the players are low on confidence. There was a couple of times where we got high turnovers against West Ham, mm-hmm. and Trossard's pass was was off, or he tried to take a shot from twenty five yards out when he could have slid in Saka or Jesus. Yeah. It's just like when, when at the minute when we get given when we get gifted these opportunities, we need to take them. We do, yeah, and yeah. we and we and don't I, I, have that cutting edge to to do it no and I think I think it's worth saying it's really it is really worth saying it's one game okay the best teams in the world lose games that they shouldn't lose apart from the Invincibles but it happens okay Man City have lost the Wolves this season they lost the Wolves you know they they, they threw away a two goal lead at home to Palace these things happen they do happen okay and a 2-0 defeat to West Ham Painful as it was, especially considering the, the sheer dominance we had over the, the, the entire game, painful as it was, it isn't the end of days. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened in the world of football. It's a kick in the balls, and it gives you a... What it does mean is that we're going to be going into the Fulham game probably in fourth place, okay? Which, again, it's December. It, it doesn't matter that much yet, but... We should have been going into the Fulham game, you know, off the back of a good win at West Ham and, uh, you know, um, uh, the draw at Liverpool, which was really hard fought and 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 they we deserved that draw. We deserved to get something out of that game at Anfield. And there's not many times over the last 10 years that you can say that about an Arsenal performance at Anfield, that we genuinely deserve to get something out of the game and a good win against Brighton. You know, it should have been seven points from nine. The frustration about the West Ham game is not about the fact that it ends our title race because it doesn't. The frustration is is that you can't afford to lose many games and you can't afford to drop many points in this league against teams like Man City and Liverpool. You just can't. And that's where the frustration is. I think it's really important to have the perspective. You know, these these these, these results do happen. Um, 
but it does absolutely i think i think a few weeks ago i we sat here and we said at some stage because actually jack we were ahead of the game here i want to point that out we were ahead of the game talking about the striker <laughs> situation we really were um and i think while everyone else was saying oh it's fine we're still winning i was sitting here like a grumpy bastard saying at some point it's going to trip us up and it did um uh and i think you know bad results can happen to anyone but that west ham game was the perfect epitome of why an out and out strike is really important and why our lack of one was always going to be a bit of a stumbling block for us this season. And as much as I think we all hoped that it wouldn't be, and, and and we were probably right to think that because it wasn't last season. As I said, we scored plenty of goals last year. We had no problem scoring goals last year. Our problem was hey, the other Zeus end out injured, yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, Jesus was out injured for half the season. We still were fine. We forget that. It's crazy. And, and Ketia chipped in with a few goals here and there, and that's fine. But, you know, I think we hoped that we would be able to be as fluid this season and there would be as many goals this season for Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard as there were last season and that's just not been the case so that's what's frustrating is it feels like this is almost an avoidable avoidable defeat because mm, that's it now all of a sudden we're looking at Fulham like okay we've got to go to Craven Cottage and win that then yeah and we do and and that's the thing I think and and they're not having the great a great season but they're a dangerous team still uh, you know it was speaking purely, you know, um, uh, point to point, you know, we just lost 2-0 at home to West Ham. West Ham got pumped 5-0 at Craven Cottage three weeks ago. Yeah, They've got the ability, and I'm not saying they're going to beat us 5-0, because fucking hell, if they do, then I might not wake up until 2025. But <laughs> it, the, the, the reality is, like, they're not an easy side to beat. Okay, Fulham, they're just not. Um, and so we do have to go to Craven Cottage and win, and that's that's not a position you want to be in in December because if you don't if we don't win there then we really are looking at it going okay this is falling a little bit behind and you don't want to be falling behind Man City and Liverpool in late December no you, that's not the time you want to be falling behind a, you, them so you look at the table now we're only four points above Spurs <laughs> oh god yeah I know and they got battered by Brighton as well which that was I mean at least that happened I yeah. suppose um, but uh, yeah we are only four points above Spurs I think uh, I think that's that you know that that's what I think what's what's super super frustrating is Man City had a real blip, fucked off to play in a, a World Cup, and have come back and are now above us yeah. if they if they beat um, Sheffield United at home, which that's... I mean, is that even in doubt? I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll look, maybe I'll look a fool. I don't know. Um, but Man City, yeah, have had this this incredible blip, this this historic blip. They, you know, they haven't they hadn't um, not won in four games in a row in the Premier League since 2014 or something, and they're still above us after all of that. And you're like, oh, it's fucking, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Um, really halfway through. <laughs> I know that's the worst thing, man. Oh god, I can't do this for another six months. I'm I'm in shambles already. It's. Uh, but yeah, Fulham. I mean, Fulham. You know, as I say, having a having a poorer season than last. You know, they were a really, really, really good side last season, right in that sort of top eight, top top seven or eight um, for the majority of the season. Um, but you know, I think they've. they've I'm looking at the table. They've they've lost ten games this season, which is a lot of defeats they've had. Mm. But they're a dangerous, they're a dangerous team, and they've got players who can hurt you. Um, and we've got to go there and 
We've got to go there and win now. So that's the position we find ourselves in, unfortunately. What I will say, when it comes to the league title, I think everyone needs to get out of the mindset of thinking that it's going to be a 95-96 pointer this season, because it's not. Um, the last few seasons, I know City only got 89 last year, which by their standards is is pretty terrible. Uh, but for the few seasons before, you know, they were racking up 99 points, 100 points, 97 points, and that is not happening this year. You know, that, that it's going to be a mid-80s, probably, uh, points total for the for the league winner. Um, so, you know, the absolute maximum that Man City can get from this, from this stage are 97 points, and that's if they win all 19 of their remaining games. So that's that's obviously you know, it's not realistic at all, especially when they've got you know players away for the African Cup of Nations and they've got a lot of games to play in the Champions League. So, you know, I think we're probably looking at a 85, 86 point title winning season this year, um, and I think we we need to take that into account a little bit because I think it is a little bit different to what we had last year, where every single drop point felt like the end of the world. And I, I don't think it's going to be like that this year. I think you, you you look at West Ham and you go, okay, fuck it, it's done. Um, and you have to move on to Fulham and, and go, okay, new start, win 5-0, move on to next week, you know. Uh, so I think really important to retain that perspective. Bizarre looking at the table after a few years of Man City and Liverpool complete dominance and thinking Liverpool currently top, having played 19, and they've only won 12 of those games. They've only won 12 of their 19 games. That's unheard of for the last few seasons. You know, you'd be, I think after 19 games of their title winning season, they'd won 18 of them. You know, it is, it's a different standard this year. The league is a lot harder. You've got sides like Villa who are really pulling up trees. Spurs, unfortunately, are a good side as well now that they've got back into a bit of form. Even Man United can hurt you. Um, so it's not going to be a complete runaway this year. So with a bit of positivity in mind, Let's remember that, you know, we're on 40 points. We might only need 45 from the second half of the season to win it. So let's go team, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> on that note, that brings us to the end of this episode of Fucking Great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you've made it this far, really, really appreciate it. Leave us a like, leave us a, uh, leave us a rating, a review on whatever your podcast provider is. Uh, all the details for our social media and how you can get in touch with us is in the description down below and uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you after the Fulham game Tom Clark thank you very much thank you mate fingers crossed Dave fingers crossed for a nice day out at Craven Cottage (laughs) see you later see you later